And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Despite a 5-0 win over Sheffield United on the weekend, Vincent Company's Burnley were beaten again last night and remain in the bottom three. And it is Wolves night as they win to pop the brief Burnley bubble. Company has revolutionised their playing style. If you look at teams that have been successful and unsuccessful over the years, it's, it's always the same in football. Once something doesn't work, you do the exact opposite, and when that doesn't work, you go and do the opposite again. So it's the opposite of my character, that as well. But does a stubborn commitment to one way of playing hold back too many managers in the Premier League? I'm Ayoakim Waleri. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. All right, let's get into this one. I'm joined by The Athletic's Tim Spears, also Andy Jones and Adrian Clark as well. Andy, let's start with you. 1-0 last night against Wolves. Doesn't feel like company's changing for anyone anytime soon. A stubbornness, I reckon. Are the supporters behind him, though? Largely, yes, they, they still are. I think he's got you know a lot of credits in the bank from, from what he did last season where he brought uh, you know excitement and the joy back to, to Turf Moor, which, which hadn't been there for, for a couple of seasons, which, which culminated... In, in the relegation and I think certainly the the five nil win against Sheffield United definitely definitely helped you know grow that belief a little bit more but they are still behind them they, there isn't an element of understanding that you know this was a, a project and, and this wasn't going to be easy and and you look at the signs in the summer and there was a lot of youth and potential that you know needed to be to be brought in and you know barely have got to the point where they're now competing with with teams and and making sure that they're they're in games constantly. But the problem is, is that you know, like last night, individual mistakes rather than anything else of letting them down. Okay, it did come from from trying to play off from the back, but I think you know every team in, in the world is gonna gonna make mistakes doing that. Tim, on the flip side, I know you're a Wolves fan. Is there a stark contrast between how Wolves fans feel about O'Neill? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. Perception is everything, really. Um... Hmm. O'Neill kind of came in, obviously, like last minute and probably seen by a lot of people as, well, he's the only guy around, right? I mean, it's August the August the 10th or whatever. Uh, every good manager's in post and there weren't many options around. From his point of view, I mean, he was dealt such a bad hand. The guy had no pre-season. Wolves had a fire sale in the summer and had to make almost 100 million quid. You know, Neves is gone the man for the past few years. Nunes goes right at the end of the window. It was a real era change in the summer. They lost Cody, Martinho, Traore, Jimenez, like massive players for the last few years, all gone in the summer. Nathan Collins went, very good, very good youngest centre-back. And Wolves have had to make almost 100 million. Gary O'Neill comes in with no pre-season. In his first five games, he's got Man United, Brighton and Liverpool, all of which they lose. Um, and then he has sort of a difficult game at Luton where they where they played 10 men with 60 minutes and draw. And all of a sudden online, I'm seeing this guy's a PE teacher who's got to go. <laughs> and last season, you know, you had Julian Lopetegui, obviously comes from 
previously managing Spain and Real Madrid and Sevilla, and they're getting absolutely smashed six 0 at Brighton, and it's it's the owner's fault for not investing. You know, the sort of general feeling is, oh, it can't be Julian Lopetegui's fault. He's top-level manager. Whereas when Gary O'Neill, despite everything that's gone on in the summer, making almost 100 million quid's worth of net sales and all the problems he's had, it's like it's it's his fault, not the owner's. So it's really interesting to see that contrast. Um, I'm really pleased for Gary O'Neill that he sort of turned it round. Um, I mean, he only had to beat Man City and Spurs to do that. Um, <laughs> and like, you know, and then he's done this appearance on Monday Night Football, which really does seem to have changed people's perceptions. If they can hold it there for me, just so I can explain. So this is, we've been doing this for a couple of weeks, obviously, international break, a lot of the boys were away. But you can see that the opposition, dressed up as Bournemouth, I sort of highlighted this 4v3 diagonally across the pitch. Early in the People team. are like, oh, actually, yeah, he has got something to him. Maybe he can set up a team. Maybe he can coach players. I'd imagine this is all hugely frustrating for him to have to deal with. But he's at the start of his career. He's still he's still finding his path. And yeah, he has he has won the round for now. But I just know that a couple of defeats and it'll be the same again because it's Gary it's Gary O'Neill sacked by Bournemouth in the summer with not much of a managerial history. You know what I mean? Exactly that. And, and I know we sort of started on and Vincent Company, but I just want to point out that even from a Wolves perspective, I mean, you've been unlucky as well this season. I mean, the game against Manchester United, <laughs> that, that unfortunately, yeah. you know, you've got to look at those kind of games and think, do you know what, actually put on a good show there and we could have come away with something a bit more. And that's just the nature of football, unfortunately, isn't it? Yeah, we've only been going a few minutes, but you've already got me thinking about VAR. Which is, which is, <laughs> God's sake. <laughs> All right, let, let's let's bring Adrian in. Come on, let, let's get you in the middle, right? What 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 is fascinating is I started this saying, you know, obviously um, there's a there's a stubbornness to Vincent Company. I mean, serial winner. He's clearly a, a incredibly intelligent human. There, if I'm thinking of any great manager, you've got to kind of stick to your philosophy and just see how it plays out. Surely. Yeah, I admire it. I really do. I think that that modern day coaches and modern day players actually expect tactical clarity. They don't want too many blurred lines. How do we play? This is what we do. Let's do this the best that we can do. Now, I don't blame Vincent Company for for sticking to the the style of play that got them promoted from the championship because it was extraordinary. It worked amazingly well. And his whole recruitment policy was built around that style of football. So coming into the Premier League, I do, I do get why he would stick to that. It, it makes sense to me. That the issue is, has he got the players that are good enough to play that way at the highest level, in the top flight? And I think that is the big mistake that, that he has made. And in, and in the interim period, I think he's doing what most coaches would do. And, and he's basically coaching the players he's trying to get them to be better at their decision making at their positioning you know at this style of play so that when he can dip his toe into the transfer market again you know they're they're in a better place as as a team but ultimately he needs better players in my opinion you've always got to have a plan b tell that to postacoglu (laughs) well i know he, he he doesn't he's not interested is he in that i i my preference if he was my coach i would prefer a little bit of adaptability. It is what it is. And and th- these are strong, strong characters, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy, uh, Adrian makes a really good point there in terms of the personnel on, on the team. Um, and I think company even spoke about it. I don't know if it was alluding to maybe the owners dipping into their pocket to get 
you know, a bit more money um, up front. But, you know, he said... Now, when you analyse those teams, obviously you're always confronted with the depth and quality of those squads. You know, um, <laughs> you've got a £45 million striker uh, up front there who's, um, who's someone that I think is really good, you know. Um... Are you surprised um, by where this team is? Or do you think personnel is needed? Or is it the philosophy that's the problem? I mean, where do we sort of put this jigsaw together? I don't. I don't think that the philosophy is the problem because I think Burnley showed last season. You know how when it does work, how well it can work. I think there was there was an expectation that it was going to take time to blend. And I think when you've brought in fifteen new players, okay, two of them were already here because they were loans tended to permanence. A year after bringing sixteen players in, that's a lot of new players. Um, and company in the the documentary that Burnley did, Mission to Burnley, talked about how he feels his players need, I think it's 100 training sessions and 120 mm. meetings, um, which takes a long time <laughs> when you think about it. And obviously those players came in at different times and Burnley had a, basically had a two-year promotion plan and did it in one. So we're already ahead of their own schedule and then mm. felt that the players that they had were particularly equipped for the Premier League or certainly needed some more help and then brought in more. The problem is, is that a lot of those players were also lacking in Premier League experience, you know, young, high potential players, Bernie believe, but, you know, we're going to need developing. And, you know, company's the type of manager who's, who never leaves the training ground, basically, and, and he's he's putting a lot of, lot of work behind the scenes to try and speed that process up. But there is only so much you can do, and only so much these these players can learn in in a certain period of time. So I think I think it's a it's it's sort of a combination of of everything, and that, and that's why there's there is a bit of a growing frustration among the fan base in terms of some of the tactics, the selections, the the substitutions. Even there's there, there are frustrations growing, but that's always going to be there when when your team's not winning. I guess um, you can see the progress they've made, but until they they make those final steps, they still haven't beat a Premier League team from last year. The two teams they've beaten, they finished above last season. So even that sort of shows that they've they still make bridging that gap, which is is looking bigger than I think was hoped. And especially when you spent ninety million pounds. Yeah, I, the teams are are only as good as their strikers, they say, don't they? And and the truth is, obviously, with La Foster out, they don't really have have a striker of, of no at Premier League level. Obviously, Amdouni's trying to do a job up there. I see him more as an attacking midfielder, really. Jay Rodriguez is is a is an experienced player, one of very few at Burnley, but but is he the answer? I'm not quite sure. And then you look at the other end of the pitch, and I think he took a real gamble with, with James Trafford, who who is clearly a very talented boy, excellent shot stopper, but but you know dipping a youngster into the Premier League is a risk, especially in front of a back four that is sorely lacking in in Premier League experience as well. So at both ends of the pitch, Burnley. Um, look weak to me. I don't think there's anything wrong with the coaching. I don't think there's anything really wrong with the philosophy. I just think that the 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 makeup of his squad isn't right and it isn't good enough at the moment to to give Burnley the the platform to go and play the football that that company knows he wants to produce. Yeah, Andy, I want to talk to you about something in a second, but I just want to bring Tim in here super quick and a little discussion we had before this pod sort of. We, we we started recording this pod was does does the name Vincent Company, Manchester City icon, Premier League icon, buy him a bit more time than Heckenbottom, for instance, you know, um, in terms of prestige, in terms of let's see where this goes. And, you know, if if Burnley are overcooked um, and they are one year ahead of themselves, 
I mean, him going back down to the championship isn't the worst thing in the world with his kind of experience. I think his name certainly probably helps with fans, but I think more the job he did last season is is um, but buys him plenty of time. The game at the weekend was really interesting. You know, if Sheffield United completely folded, right? I mean, obviously, obviously Burnley did well to take advantage, but it felt like that's the perfect time to play Sheffield United. Mm. I mean, some <laughs> of the stuff they're doing was was embarrassing, like 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 not even basics of like running and kicking footballs. You know, like real like basic stuff. So I don't know. I just I felt like that kind of delayed a potentially really difficult decision for Burnley. You know, what what are they looking to do here? Relegation looks likely. The Everton situation has changed things slightly for people, but on Everton's form, they should still stay up fairly comfortably. So what do, what do Burnley do here? Are they, are they looking to a bit of a Norwich situation where, you know, they'll, they'll bank the money, they'll be stronger next season, they'll maybe come back up again. But also from Vincent Company's point of view, I think it's really interesting dilemma his reputation suffers by the week if this if this continues and there's a situation here where I mean Burnley's next game is is Brighton away Mm. and then they've got this huge two pressure games against Everton and Fulham and the recent West Ham game showed that they don't handle pressure very well when they sort of folded at the end and, and lost lost two goals and then after that over Christmas it's it's Liverpool and Villa so the situation at the essentially at the end of December where Burnley look absolutely potentially could, could adrift and gone. So what does company do then? Does he suffer for the next six months with a team that's going down and his reputation really takes a hit? You know, he was being touted with the Spurs job in the summer and talked about as a, as a, as oh, he, he's bound to take over from Guardiola one day at Man City. But I think it's a really interesting question for him. You know, how does he envisage his career going from here as well? Because obviously this is the first time it's really taken a hit and Burnley aren't the most fashionable club. And even if he gets them back up next season, assume they get relegated, you know, he wouldn't get as much credit for that either. So I don't know, really interesting questions for Burnley and company to, to ponder if this continues. You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Io Akinwalere. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. Hey Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get direct TV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream direct TV over the internet now. Oh sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream direct TV without a satellite dish. Call one eight hundred Direct TV. Terms or restrictions apply. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. And this is, makes me think of what you said earlier about what he does next, really. Um, is there a potential that he's thinking of his next job? I mean, we don't know what's in his head, but we know the kind of football he wants to play. He's going to need a bit of backing. It's just a natural kind of feeling of like, you know, someone who's ambitious, right? Like, what's next? Yeah, where, where does he go next? Uh, it's, it's really interesting to see. And the next few months will define that, I think. I really think if they have a really tough time and they're sort of root, rooted near the bottom of the table and maybe Sheffield United get a bump from Chris Wilder, and if, if Burnley's struggling in last place, that was really going to hinder his reputation. Um, I'm not saying he should walk away from that, but it is, but it is an interesting thing for him because he will have pl- he'll be plotting his 
his career path. You know, we all do that when we're on Football Manager, right? Where, <laughs> where's... <laughs> if only I had the time, Tim, but yeah, I know where you're coming from. <laughs> but, you know, you're like, oh, who's who's vulnerable? Who might get the chop at the end of the season? You know, where, where, might, where might I fit in? Um, so, yeah, and he's, he's obviously, he's getting, he's getting a good grounding and electing Burnley, been manager for three years now. And he obviously has a philosophy and clearly has football intelligence. We've seen that for many, many years that can really impress owners and fans and players. And um, I hope it works out for him. It's, but the, the next few months are obviously going to be the toughest of, of his career. And I just hope he sticks to his guns and um, comes through at the other side. I think we all, we all want him to succeed. He's, like, he's a very likeable guy. Yeah, I, th- I think it is fair to reflect that on uh, just on the financial thing that Bailey's, Bailey's spend in the summer was... was pretty astronomical for them um and he's he's very central to that um so you know that he, he <laughs> to say he's sort of sending a message to the board he has to sort of take accountability for that because Billy did spend 90 million ish net you know they only bought in a couple of million pound on players so they, they did back him and and he's very very central to um I think pace called him as you know the number one salesman at the club and a lot of the players are there for him. So, you know, he takes a lot of responsibility with that. Um, so it is a little bit interesting, but I think there was always a plan to do to do something in January. It's just how much money is available. Equally, you know, company was was a big part in, in bringing the players in that are there. So he also has to, um, you know, take take accountability on that that part to to being the person who needs to to get them up to the levels and the standards because that's the task that he technically took on by mm. signing those players. Andy the. I think he had a genius transfer policy or recruitment last season in the championship. You know, he signed a bunch of players most of us had never heard of. They took the championship by storm. They were swashbuckling. They were sensational. He's had a shocker of a window in the summer, hasn't he? I mean, those players don't look an, they don't look an upgrade on the players that, that he had in the championship. Not a big enough upgrade anyway. And as you referenced earlier, so many changes to a side that were completely at ease with that style of football. And now he's had to start again in the big league, where obviously it's going to be a lot, a lot tougher. I just I'm just thinking about what Tim said about his managerial career. You know, it's a crossroads moment. It feels like one bad transfer window from Vincent Company can undo <laughs> a body of work that was that was unreal, let's be honest. Mm. Last year, we were we all thought he was sensational. Yeah, it is really interesting and because you do go through the list of players, and you know, Bayer was was already there, so you know, has has been you know as good as you would expect, and a young centre back and has had injury problems, so he's still not quite got got up to speed. Um, but you you look at you go through the list, and, and you would only say Luca Cagliasso, Zeki Anduni, and in more recent weeks, I know he makes the mistake against Wolves, but Sander Berg has have, have really stood up and 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 really shown. You know, it looked sort of the, the part, and I think I think James Stafford's probably coming for a bit of unfair criticism at times. Um, I don't think he's been anywhere near the main problem. But yeah, you are right. It's, I I do sort of come back to and think you know instead of fifteen, could they have bought you know six players for fifteen million, which would have been roughly the same, you know, outlay or something like that, or you know five players for for twenty million. Um, you know, a bit more experience, maybe a little bit more wage. Yes, okay, but. All in all, you know the costs probably work out pretty similar, and and could they, you know, could those six players have made more of an impact than, than some of the players who, you know, to be to be frank, are struggling to even make the squad at times. You know, company 
I think he referenced in the summer that some of these players they'll they'll have moments during the season where they'll be the ones to stand out. But it's I think he described them as Easter eggs. But I hope it doesn't take until Easter for for a lot of them to sort of show themselves because that will be too late. And unfortunately, so far there's not been enough of them who, who have stood up. And and interestingly, the one who has was you know a two and a half million pound signing from the league who played seventy five minutes of first team football, which was pretty incredible. That he's been the best of of what they've signed. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. On for Roberts. Roberts looking for the ball. He's found it. Great ball for Teller. Can he finish it now? Touched inside over Fabi. It's four. And it's another magnificent goal from Burnley. Great work by Benson. And if that is the goal that secures Burnley's crown, it could not be more worthy. That's the moment. Vincent Company's Burnley are the champions. He has transformed the way this club plays. stated aim at the first time of asking and in outstanding extraordinary vibrant and entertaining style okay let's uh let's move this forward and actually by moving forward we sort of need to go back a little bit and i just especially people that don't watch the championship very quickly andy how big an achievement was the job that company did last season at Burnley, just for people who don't get it, how big a job was that? Huge. Um, he entered the club, which was was on the knees really after you know a really disappointing season, couple of seasons, you know relegation. The mood was really flat among the fan base um, because of the worries about the finances and stuff. And I think he, when he walks in the door, there's, there's ten senior players, give or take one or two maybe that he's got to work with. He had a massive rebuilding job, and it was it was just incredible that first day of the season, just how quickly it clicked. 
and everyone had already seen his, you know, his quality. There had been a lot of of talk um, about you know how impressive he'd been in training sessions and and his level of detail, which. You know, you were you were talking to some of the the senior pros like Jay Rodriguez, Johan Goodmanson throughout the season, who were like we're learning things we never knew. And these are these are players with you know ten plus years in in professional football. And and then it was the you know the style of football, having the sixty percent possession, you know, creative attacking, dominating teams. It was just so impressive, scoring loads of goals, you know, keeping a lot of clean sheets to just basically sweep everyone aside, and then to to end it with winning it at your local rivals. I don't think anyone could have scripted a better season than what it became. And and it, a lot of that was down to company and, and the way he worked and the way he went about it. You know, the the 12 to 14 hour days, the the relentlessness of how he drilled his, you know, his philosophy into the team, the team meetings that were every day, um, you know, the really detailed sessions that, that he put on. And I don't think that's changed this season. The difference is now that they are playing the best of the best yeah, and Adrian, I mean, like, huge culture shift as well, if you think about it. Uh, Sean Deitch, Vincent Company, very different kind of personalities. There's actually a pub in Burnley I've been to a couple of times, the Royal Deitch. What a pub that is. Um, with Sean Deitch's face right up there. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, are we at the point where the Royal Deitch might start calling itself the Royal Company based on <laughs> last season's obliteration of the championship? I think that was an April Fool's joke. I think the... Uh... Oh, they did, did it. Yeah. Oh, they did. I think he did. I think it was an April Fool's joke that he did. <laughs> it's got a nice ring to it. Um, but yeah, um, he's clearly a very good coach. I think he's got the stature. I think he's got the aura to be a Premier League manager. And as I said at the outset, I admire him sticking to his principles here. So yeah, I, I think I think Vincent Company is going to have a successful management career. But this is a massive test. He's made some mistakes, I think, in the transfer window, left himself short. This is the acid test, I think, of his coaching credentials. Can he can he get this group of players up to the level required? And and I'm seeing signs that he might be able to do that. They desperately need a goal getter. And I think once they get one, the second half of the season will be much better for Burnley. It's just who we are. It's who we're going to be till uh, as long as I'm here. And, and that, but that doesn't change. It doesn't get compromised at ten, ten or nine men. Obviously not. We we'll go down to five men, mate. We'll have a crack. <laughs> Thank you very much, Ange. Thanks, mate. Thank you, team. I know you've kept an eye on Spurs as well, and um, Ange. Um, <laughs> any, any similarities we can see in, in in that stubbornness? Any similarities we can see in sticking to a philosophy? But I guess perhaps different that he might be able to adapt his philosophy as well, because I know he definitely did when he was at Anderlecht, uh, Vincent Company. Sticking to your guns and your philosophy is it's admirable, but it's got to work. You know, I mean, we can all say, yeah, Poster Cogley should definitely not sacrifice his principles. Well, yeah, you know, they went unbeaten for the first 10 matches of the season. So we, we can see that that it does work, right? And it showed huge signs of promise and they've just got this horrendous injury record. But there have to be wins and results and positivity. Otherwise, you, you can say all you want that, yeah, the, oh, the players will lose respect if you if you, if you you change your philosophy. But also, if, if it's not working, the players will be like, well, why the hell are we still doing this week But what after would you change? What would you change, Tim? Because, like, it, it, it's really only overplaying, isn't it, in, in inside your own half? Is that the only thing you would you'd That would be the main one for change. me. Yeah, I, obviously, yeah. I've only sort of seen a couple of full Burnley games this season, but that would certainly be the one that sticks out every time, is overplaying at the back. Um, you know, people question whether Spurs should be doing it, and that's, you know, Spurs with gifted centre-halves who could play up front. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, the the, the Poster Cogley thing, I mean, he's he's an extreme example, right? 
I mean, <laughs> look what he did at, at City. I, I mean, mean the he, City it, one was just genius. I would it was it. insane. But he's like, but, he, but you know, when you listen to him, I, I can see why the, he, the players are inspired by him. I mean, he was asked on Friday, Postacoglu, pre-City, by a couple of journalists in the room. They were like, okay, so you've got 11 players out, Ange, and uh, you've lost three on the spin, and it's Man City away at the weekend. Like, surely, you, you know, might go a bit defensive. And he was so offended. He was like... Um, if you had to take a punt, what do you reckon I'd say? Just just a wild guess out of... I, I and and, and I, I, don't want to be, I don't want to be flipping about it and, and I'll get the question. He was like, I was hired to do this job, this specific job that I'm trying to do. This is what I was hired for. So a company might say exactly the same. And Postcogna makes the point that the best clubs, they have a plan, they invest in that plan, and then they stick with that plan. And that might be hard when results aren't going well, but, you know, these things can take time. So um, you hope that Burnley do the same and that it works. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's uh, Eric Ten Hag's kind of point of view is that he's got his idea and we just need to weather the storm in many respects. Um, no one knows I guess what the... that idea is yet, though, do they? <laughs> I, 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 know, I know. I'm just I'm just really trying to be sympathetic to Man United fans, honestly. Uh, we're still waiting. Anyway, uh Quick one, Andy. I mean, look, fixtures, it's that time of year, isn't it? Fixtures are coming thick and fast and you're looking at a team that needs to pick up points. I mean, is there even any time to tweak? Is there even any time to make this work? Because how do you get back on form? You know, I mean, Sheffield United was a, an anomaly, I guess, in many respects in terms of the scoreline, but Burnley need to get back to winning ways. They do. Um, they do. It, it, it is difficult because I think company does does cherish that time on the training pitch and I think... Even even like back to last season, that World Cup break that that they had was a massive, massive help in in sort of getting that, getting his you know his views and his his thoughts across. And and then you saw the, I think that was when they they came back after that and basically went on a, a ten game winning run. Um, don't think they're quite going to be able to do that in the in the Premier League. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's this. But this is where you know this, I think this month is a massive definition of the season. Really, um, this is where you've got to pick your points up. I think what company has compromised, he's, he's made little tweaks without going away from the, the main plan. Um, and I think that is why Burnley have got to the point they've got to. If they were still playing like they were playing in the first few games, they would be, you know, cut adrift probably or, or certainly continuing to lose games comfortably. It, it, it is difficult at this time of year to make the tweaks, but I think also, you know, they are in a place where I think they've, they're beginning to find the formula. That that is working, and I think that it's shown in companies' lineups. There was a lot of changes, a lot of a lot of personnel swaps in and out, three, four changes every week. Where he's now he's now basically got a core ten, core nine or ten that he's played in the last five games, and I think that's showing that the level of where he's getting to, where he's beginning to to believe that his players are able to, to and capable of doing of doing the jobs he wants them to. Equally, on the same pitch, he can't really, you know. You can't really plan for bad passes and bad touches in your own area, and you can't plan for, you know, a, you know, needing someone to just tuck tuck the ball in the bottom corner when they get the chance, which, you know, was basically last night. <laughs> I think I think with with company in general, there, there is an interesting debate about whether players who've been to the top of the game and players and players who are big names and famous names, you know, should be deserving of those Premier League jobs and getting those top jobs. I mean, you know, Lampard, Gerrard. Rooney would yeah. be the most obvious current example. I mean, you know, I I I find it remarkable that um, that he got that job. To be honest, and I I don't have much confidence in it working out. And the fact that he 
you know, what has he done in his managerial career to justify getting that job? And this is just sort of Birmingham in the middle of the championship. Um, you know, he's taken them from six to 15. And the guy who's now in six is Liam Rossinia, who's the one who got a lot of credit for the work that Rooney actually did at Derby when he just had that one season of sort of when they sort of scraped up. But you look at a club like Brighton, you know, they set the benchmark for what a managerial appointment is, right? Um, in terms of a, a coach and a manager with a real philosophy and a playing style that's far, far more important than a name. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not sort of, I'm not talking necessarily about company in particular here, mm. but it's an interesting point about how now players like company and, and Gerald and Lampard, these guys are like multi, multi millionaires, right? How much do they want it? That they've, they've gone to the very top of the game. The chances of them doing it again at management level are, are not great. So they've achieved what the biggest thing they've already going to achieve in their career. How much do they want it? And, 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 you know, like I said, they're multi-multi-millionaires, these guys. If a guy's forging his career like Roberto De Zerbi, I don't know. I, th- I think it's an interesting interesting debate to have. I wouldn't necessarily lump company in on that because he seems like a very serious, yeah. intelligent guy. But you, mm. motivation certainly comes as part of it, I think. Yeah, but, I mean, you could easily say that about Xabi Alonso at Leverkusen. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah. He was sort of, you know, it was in Serie B for a little while and then he's come into Leverkusen with his philosophy. I know he's been back financially to a certain degree, but yeah. I mean, look at that. I, I, th- I, th- I think it's the Lampard, Gerrard and Rooney thing for me is like, yeah, yeah, we'll give this a go. We'll, we'll get a good job. We'll get the bloody, we'll get the Chelsea job. We'll get a big job at Villa, big job at Birmingham, you know, but how, how much do they really want it? That's what I would question. It's I'm football team. Being on that touchline <laughs> in the you know, full stadium with that buzz of needing to win. Honestly, it, it, it's like a drug. It's like a drug. Some people cannot let go of that. And I, I love it. I love the fact. I think it shows you how much they want it because these guys really don't need it. They don't need the aggravation. They must love it. And I don't think any of them are frightened of you know what's around the corner. I, I'm really pleased to see so many big name players that are, that are turned into management. I'm um, yeah, I think fair play to them. Yeah, I mean, when you say what's around the corner, I mean, there's a pretty lucrative deal over in the Middle East if you really want it. I mean, just just let you know if you fancy, if you fancy, you know, a spin out there in the heat. Anyway, Adrian, Andy, very quickly, let's finish on this. And I know you've got your your Burnley hat on, a Burnley staying up on record. Come on, son, <laughs> let me know. Um, I don't think so, just because I think the other teams who were in the Premier League last season have got too much. I, I do think that the three promoted teams are are unfortunately going to go back down. Um, I, even with Everton's point of deduction, I just think Dyche has got them in a really, really good place. They remind me a lot of his best Burnley teams in a way of being able to just grind out the results. And, and their away form is so good that they're going to get the home form right eventually, I think. So unfortunately, at the moment, um, and, you know, Burnley got by a £40 million striker in January and I went because company asked for it, <laughs> which will change everything. But yeah, at 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 the, at the current time, I think it's difficult to see Burnley surviving. Okay, fair enough. All right, let's end it there, gents. Uh, thank you, Tim, Andy and Adrian as well. And remember to rate and review the podcast if you're enjoying it. And also, why not give a friend or a loved one the gift of The Athletic this holiday season, a one-year subscription at the special discounted price of just £19.99. That's both pounds and dollars. Simply head over to theathletic.com forward slash football pod. Thank you for listening. We're back tomorrow. You've been listening to the Athletic Football Podcast. The producers were Adonis Pratsides and Guy Clark, with additional production by Mike Stavro and Jay Beal. The executive producer was A.D. Moorhead. Sports Social Podcast Network.
The Athletic.